0: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And good Saturday morning. Well, he got most of it right. It is the Outdoors with Don Dubuque show, but we're not in the uh, St. Ubers Cathedral on North Shore Lake Pontchartrain today. We're in Woodsboro, Texas for the opening of the Texas South Zone white-winged dove season. It's uh, Daddy and Daughter Radio again. Cherie is with us here in Woodsboro. Cherie, I had a few birds flying yesterday evening. Hope we can shoot a little better today, though.
2: Yeah, we uh, got some shots off yesterday. Saw a decent population of birds out there, but we need a little bit better target practice, uh, I think, before we get started today.
1: (laughs) Well, the good news is we had a bird dog. Looked like he might have have come of uh, of age yesterday out there.
2: Yeah, a little surprising. Uh, Pointer Rescue Organization Foster Biggs, who was retired from a hunting plantation, surprisingly, they said the guy didn't want to hunt. And we've been working. Blake's been taking him out and putting him on a few birds and getting his confidence back. And honestly, we've never asked him to retrieve a bird. And so he did a phenomenal job twice over yesterday. So feels great to see Biggs coming out of his shell there.
1: Yeah, he's going to be a fine-looking dog. All right, well, if you're going hunting today, we've got both the Mississippi zones, north and south, opening up. Louisiana's uh, dove season also gets underway. Shooting starts at noon today. As I mentioned, uh, Texas down here in the south zone, it's white-winged only. It's kind of unusual. You get to shoot 15 white-winged doves with a, uh, a two-morning dove limit, a maximum on the morning doves in case you happen to make a little bit of a mistake. All right, you have come to Fishing Tip City. We've got lots of fishing reports coming your way this morning. Uh, if you've got a problem finding redfish uh, this season, you're not alone. I'd like to hear your experience, your thoughts. If you've been a regular red fisherman and you're starting to have a little bit of problem maybe this season and find them, when you send us in your reports and your comments and your questions uh, to our text line, please include any information you might have about your thoughts on redfish. Uh, I was interviewed this week by... Uh, NOLA.com, Tom's Picayune, advocate, reporter. Uh, they're doing a story on, on redfish. There's been a lot of people commenting about them this year. We've had several comments here on the show, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Again, that talk and text line is 504-260-1870. And if you're anxious for deer hunting and you can't wait for the archery seasons to begin, well, practice a little patience. We've got one guy who... Uh, uh, couldn't wait and uh, he's paying the price. He's our bad boy in the outdoors. We're also going to talk about that special velvet buck season coming up in Mississippi. That's going to be September 16th, 17th, and 18th. It's a three-day weekend, archery only, an opportunity to get a buck in velvet. It's the uh, first time Mississippi's done that, and we'll have some reports coming up on that. Also, teal season getting ready to open up shortly. We'll get some reports. I got some good reports from southwest Louisiana, unfortunately. Uh, more bad news on the overall duck population not shaping up to be a, a good season. Also, we'll tell you a little bit about what's coming up on Bayou Wild TV this week. We've got a, a new feature in Episode 9. It's called A Photographer's Eye, a lady by the name of Julia Sims, who a famous wildlife photographer in Louisiana. Uh, Many books uh, were illustrated with her photographs. We shot a little piece with her, took her back down memory lane to a place where many of her photographs were taken, We'll tell you how to watch that, and also we got the coastal marine forecast coming up. About a 50% chance of rain. It's either going to rain or it's not where you are. Checking the radar, a lot of scattered stuff in and around the lower coastal areas, kind of moving onshore. Looks like it could be an on-and-off wet Labor Day weekend, a long weekend for a lot of folks. Winds are light though, southeast 5 to 10. Going to be some seas to get offshore and. Get to some of those red snapper. Stage is set. We're ready to go. When we come back right after this three-minute pause, we'll check in with Robbie Campo. He's down at Campo's Marina in Shell Beach. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. All right, welcome back into our show this morning from Woodsboro, Texas, the south zone of Texas uh, dove season, opening up for those white wings. Three of those white wings – I don't know, they're just as quick as the morning doves. I don't see any difference in the flight speeds, but uh, they're a little bigger bird.
2: A little bit larger, but you're right. Both of those birds, um, fast moving out there. Straight line, fast moving, a little bit different than quail and woodcock, but... At least we're gonna we're gonna get in a little bit of practice before quail season starts. But yeah, we were a little challenged with those fast fast flying birds out there yesterday. Yeah,
1: definitely got to get that barrel out in front of them. All right, you know this guy, Robbie Campo. We talk to him every Saturday morning. He's at Shell Beach at Campo's Marina. Robbie, how's the weather back in Louisiana this morning?
3: So well, done. I see some uh, I see some lightning kind of all the way around us um, this morning. Um, But hey, I mean, it's calling for seventy to eighty percent chance of rain here today. Um, I I think we're going to get it. (laughs) I don't think we're going to avoid it today. Uh, But you know, Don, um, talking about fishing, I I see some light at the end of the tunnel. Things are getting better. Yesterday yesterday's catches were way better than earlier in the week. Of course, we had no tide earlier in the week and. Yesterday, we had some tide movement um, things picked up some so that's that's good news over in bay Owa seemed to be uh, Bay Christmas camp lake you know and uh, around white log Lake and uh, Comfort Island uh, those spots that generally people fish in the summertime you know p- uh, produce some pretty pretty nice fish yesterday now you either had a, a dink trout or you know something was like 10 inches you had to throw back or it was something that was 14, 15 inches. So starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel there, um, but plenty, you know, plenty of action. So they had, you know, fish caught, um, you know, they'll catch a the fish the whole time they were there. But um, I think, you know, I think we, you know, we get a couple cold fronts, uh, which is not probably going to be anytime soon, but if we do get some cold fronts and push those fish, I think the transition is about to start. Um, you know, we get, we get some, like I said, we get some cold weather, but cool weather, we'll start catching some fish in the inside here. So I uh, do see some light at the end of the tunnel on that. Um, redfish has been a little bit slow around here. Um, I have my reasons why, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> that's, a, that's a story for another time. But, um, you know, it's, it's been slow. It did catch some way on the top of the uh, eastern shoreline of uh, Lake Bourne from Biobuluxi Biloxi going northward. So uh, if somebody wanted to try that, uh, that's an option for you today. Still catching plenty of white trout by the dam. If you want to go on both sides of it, if you want to go over there and fish some white trout, uh, that's that's happening also. So, I, you know, I, I would say 50% of the people yesterday caught pretty good yesterday. Not everybody caught, but 50% of everybody, you know, did 40, 50 fish or so, so I was, I was, that was, that's encouraging, that's good, that's good news, so, um, you know, with that said, if you're coming down here today, hook the left at the bridge, if you're a day to fish, and
1: we'll be here waiting on you, because we got nothing going on right now, so hook the left and come see us. All right, that sounds good, Robbie, before you go, what's the bait availability, Uh, shrimp in plenty good supply if somebody wants to fish live bait? Oh Don,
3: we we stocked up. We got everything full. We ready, you know. I said we got plenty, plenty lot of live bait. Um, oh, and remember, this is the last weekend for Star Tournament, so we are a weigh station for Star Tournament. So if you do catch that Star Tournament fish that you want to weigh in, it ends on Monday. So keep that in mind, people. And if uh, and I was supposed to mention this, or um, well, I'm gonna mention uh, our Ducks Unlimited banquet. And uh, St. Paul Parish here is going to be on October the 6th. We just want to put that out there. Somebody wants to come to that also. So, um, yeah, but we got plenty of live bait. Cook the left, come
4: see us.
1: All right, sounds good, Robbie. Thanks for the report. We'll catch up with you next week. Okay, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, that's Robbie Campo. Go see him. He's down at Campo's Marina in Shell Beach. While well, looking at the – Rest of the coastal marine forecast on the interior lakes and bays, light winds, despite uh, a generous amount of rain to go around, and of course, within those rain showers, there could be some heavier winds and thunderstorms, so be careful of that, but for the most part, 5 to 10 knots, smooth conditions. Uh, offshore, those uh, southeast 5 to 10 knot winds will only generate about a 2-foot sea, so you've got a good chance to get out there and get some of those late season snapper. We've got the snapper watch going on. We're Probably somewhere in the 80% range, or maybe a little higher on what's been caught so far with regard to the harvest quota. So, you still got some time to get out and get some snappers. Uh, you got a 1.4 tidal range, that's the average tide. And the Mississippi River, if your area is affected by river levels, 3.8 and steady. All right, dove season has opened up. Uh, all three states Mississippi, <coughs> Alabama, Louisiana, also over here in Texas, where I am today. Uh, don't forget to uh, properly identify those birds, and be careful if you're taking your dogs out there. Make sure they got plenty of water. They can get overheated in in a real hurry out there. All right, we got some text messages coming in. Sure, we got somebody, the, the old Colonel from Redwood, Mississippi. What's he got going on today?
2: Yeah, so um, he joined. He's joining us in dove hunting. He's going to be doing it this morning. We got to wait till noon with this I think special. He's got to wait till
1: noon too. He meant this morning, but I think they open Mississippi at noon. Too.
2: At noon as well. Okay, then he said he's got some football going on in Hattiesburg tonight.
1: All right, football and hunting, it's here, snuck up on us, it's already here. All right, we got some more text messages. We'll get to those a little bit later on. If you want to send us one, we'd love to hear from you. It's 504-260-1870. Tell us who you are, where you are, and what you got going on, comments, questions, opinions, right here on The Outdoors for Don Dubuque, Radio Network. And our bass fishing report with Jeff Bruhl is a presentation of Pure Fishing, the distributors of Spiderwire, which is now the most abrasion-resistant line, and with the introduction of their product called DuraBraid, 25% tougher than conventional braids, available in moss green from 6 to 80 pounds. And we've got DuraBraid backing up its claim as the toughest braided line in fishing, produces stronger knots and unequaled shock absorbency. Check it out, DuraBraid by Pure Fishing. And we say good morning to Jeff Brohl. Jeff, how's the fast fishing been?
5: Uh, it's, it's, tough. it's, you yeah, know, that late summer pattern. just, it's, it's just ports are not good at across the board, but it's typical. People go back to school, get busy, and then your ports aren't as many as they were. Uh, but talk about the Pearl River. Uh, the river's high, but again, it's just tough fishing eight pounds is a winning stream from about the Chupuncta River across the St. Tammany Parish rivers. Uh, they had an event on the Pearl and that's about what won it. But those high, muddy rivers from all the rains we get in these afternoon thunderstorms have just uh, slowed the fishing down here. Uh, even out in the marsh areas, they, you know, clean, there's plenty of those 8- to 10-inch bass, but those bigger women females are hard to find. And, and it, It's typical across the whole region this time of year. You get this hot weather, and fish don't really bite too much during the day, and, and they don't really feed just because the weather and the water temperature are so hot.
1: Yeah, I passed uh, by the Pearl this week, and uh, it's just got that dirty, muddy look to it, and it's all the way up to Jackson. You know, in fact, uh, they were. it's been teetering around that 16 mark where they shut down the Pearl River management. In fact, I think they closed it, particularly the shooting range. It was starting to get some water on the roads, and whenever it reaches that on the gauge, they, they close that area down. Um, what are you, your best advice and tips for fishing a river when it starts to finally fall, when it's been high like that?
5: Well, one of the problems is the fish get so far back up in the woods that you can't really get to them. But if you can find a good area that's draining, maybe some darker water, mixing water, that, that's kind of what you want to key on. Because a lot of times when that river starts falling, the, those fish will stack up, catching the crawfish and the bait coming out of the woods. And anywhere you get a little bit of mix of water or drain, that's usually a good spot. And you going to have to probably find a bunch of them. You can't just sit in one and catch a lot of fish, but that's the pattern you want to look for. Jeff,
1: did you get to do some of that Friday night light fishing last mm-hmm. night?
5: Yeah, I went out and uh, was with the High Society of Dubuques last night down on Lake Catherine. We got the end of the dock. And I can tell you one thing. There's no shortage of lady fish. There's, there's still plenty of them. Needle nose, there's plenty of them. We did catch a bunch of fish, but it, yeah, the thing about night fishing, everything has to kind of come together, the major period, the tides, and all that. So, even though there was a lot of fish out there, and we, we did catch, you catch just about every cat, but most of them were small. So, I think they were going to get up this morning and try again, but, the, the you know, the Friday night lights, this is time of year, with it being hot, fish at night, get under those docks and piers that have lights. Uh, I was trying to help your nephew, Drew, catch one on a fly rod and uh, try to win a that CCA event with the fly rod, but I did tie a few glass minute patterns that seem to be what they're feeding on. The the shrimp were real tiny that were jumping, but the minnows, uh, they seemed to be uh, feeding on them the most. So we tried that. We did pretty well. Like I said, just about every cache, something was coming up hitting it. But they're going to try again this morning. The major period is about 5, 6 o'clock this morning, right around daylight, and I think that would be the best time for the fish to feed. And, uh, your nephew, Mike, said that uh, they have been catching a pretty good number of fish. Nothing big. You know, that. 12 to 14 inch trout and you catch you know, at the right time of night when the fish are active they're catching a lot just using jigs off the dock
1: yeah that's probably as good as can be expected uh, fishing under those lights so, you know if you get catch a pound and a half fish that's a that's a big trout underneath those lights but it's a lot of fun and it's cool and uh, you save on sunscreen you don't have to use much of that when you're fishing at night jeff as far as chafalaya basin over on that side of the state what's going on over there
5: uh, very few reports coming out of there. area. The good news is the, the gauge at Morgan City is at 3.1 feet, so I'm hoping that we're not going to get any more rises for the fall. I think we're pretty much done unless we get some kind of storm or hurricane or some kind of major rain event up north. But all we need is that cooler weather, that first front to kind of kick the bite in the gear to get the water temperatures down. But over there, you need to punch mats around the drains. Um, that's kind of solid summer patterns over there that, fish bite, you know, the crappie and all that's fair, but catfish is always a good backup in the basin. You can go throw some stink paint on the bottom and catch a few fish for supper.
1: Jeff, uh, you always leave us with a tip, and getting back to that fishing under the lights, what's a couple of tips for people who may be fishing uh, around docks that stay lit at night or if they've got access to a pier that's lit up, that's also great for bringing kids?
5: Yep, that's great for the kids. I'm always Tell them to start with a lighter weight head and a slower fall presentation. Uh, Sometimes they want to fish up towards the top of the water column with the light. And often the edge of the lights is where the better fish hang out. So, you know, cast way out into the dark and bring your bait back into the light. Live bait can always be a plus, minnows or shrimp, anything like that. Um, But, you know, again, for the kids, you can stand there and they don't have to worry about the rocking boat or anything like that and but if you're in a boat just stay off a good distance and you know be polite try to stay away from the docks where the kids are fishing and try not to get hung up with them but overall it's just this is the time of year to do it and if you can get the right dock you can catch enough fish for a good mess of fish to eat
1: all right always good advice we thank you for it jeff and we'll keep selling a little
6: or a lot
0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: catch up with you next time. Thanks, Don. All right, Jeff Rule, our bass fishing and freshwater field reporter. All right. When we come back, we're going to get to your text messages. If you want to shoot us one, it's 504-260-1870. Cherie uh, is standing by to take it. And also we're going to be talking a little bit about rescuing pointer dogs. If you want to get involved, uh, we'll tell you exactly how to do that. It's very rewarding and uh, especially rewarding for the dogs. We'll be back. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. All right, welcome back into the outdoor show. Glad to have you with us. If you want to participate in the program with your questions, comments, maybe some reports of fishing uh, that you have found this week and you'd like to share it with our audience, you can do that by texting us at 504 260 1870. And we're going to be talking about a little more about this redfish uh, issue that's developed across the state. A lot of people are saying uh, redfish have been overfished, uh, there's some problem with redfish, they're not as easy to find. Um, Perhaps we need to look at uh, reducing the limits, um, establishing seasons, bag limits, creel limits. We've already had some discussion about that and anticipating some type of an adjustment on the speckled trout in Louisiana. Uh, We've already got a a new law that will be in effect this this fall on reducing the flounder take. Now could it be redfish too? What is happening to Louisiana's fisheries? What are you noticing, if anything, And do you think it's too early to tell? That's my opinion. I I don't think we have enough data. You know, certainly the number of people that are reporting a shortage of redfish, is there's something to it more than just uh, people having a, uh, a difficult time once or twice when they go out. But I'm not sure that it could be a trend where, Uh, we'd have to take drastic measures like adjusting limits at this point. But it certainly bears watching, and we'd like to get the input from you, the audience, too, if you've got a, a comment about it. We'll be back to get some of those comments and some more of your text messages. But first, we pause 10 seconds for our local stations to identify themselves on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. All right, Shree, let's get to some of the text messages that are coming in. We had someone, uh, uh, co- the old colonel commented on these hours of the Mississippi dove season. Uh, he said that they have uh, they don't have the noon start anymore. It, it goes the uh, regular half hour before sunrise shooting time. What have you been able to find?
2: Yeah, so I was taking a look, actually, the Mississippi um, page, Wildlife Department of uh, Wildlife and Fisheries page, is not explicit. I haven't been able to find that. But based on another website, bartonoutfitters.com, actually on opening day, they're saying 2 p.m. to sunset. And then any other day after opening, which is today, September the 3rd, they're 30 minutes before sunrise to sunset. So I'm going to keep looking to see what the Mississippi Wildlife and Fisheries page says. um, Like many, Sometimes it's not exactly quite mm-hmm. clear, and you got to do a little bit of digging there. But it's interesting that one thing that I would say is is if you're going to hunt in a different state, definitely take a look at that state's regulations mm-hmm. because each of them has these slight little modifications. Right. For us, it's a noon start to sunset for this special season, so... You know, take a look at that. If anybody can find a link, pop it into the text and send it on <laughs> over to me. If it's the Mississippi Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, yeah. and we'll take a look and report there.
1: Some of these uh, Department of Wildlife and Fisheries websites are not that user friendly. It's not hard to, uh, not easy to find condensed tight regulations all in one place. You have to bounce around and go find. They list season dates and bag limits in one area, then shooting times in another, and special public area regulations in another. I know it's a lot of information, but I think they could probably do a better job in getting that out to the public and always sending out current press releases on a weekly basis, too. Uh, that, that could also help. All right, we're also hearing from uh, some other of our listeners here. What's going on?
2: Yeah, Jojo Vitale, we were talking about redfishing. He said the redfish red fish population comes down to three things, more and more charter fishing going on today, bow fishing beginning to get more and more popular, and more and more alligators in the marsh eating the redfish.
1: Oh, well, I'm not sure about all of that. The alligators eating redfish, I don't know how many they take. Um, And with regard to the charter fishermen and the bow fishing, uh, that, even though it seems like it's a lot of fish and a lot of people because it's high profile, you see a lot of that on social media in terms of advertising. Those numbers of actual people with rods and reels catching redfish and pursuing redfish is pretty small in the overall hundreds of thousands of people are out there fishing that are taking surely smaller numbers, but when you look at the total number of them, it's a whole lot more fish. So, it, and I'm not sure that's even a problem. I'm not even sure redfish is even a problem. We're just in a very early discussion stages. But I would say if, if overfishing is the problem, I would compare it to if you're in an accident. Okay, let's say You're in an accident, and you've got a cut on your hand, and it's bleeding pretty bad, okay? And then you've got a cut on your neck, and your jugular vein is bleeding. Which one are you going to stop the bleeding first? So if there is a problem, and we need to make adjustments on redfish, you stop the biggest source of the overfishing, which would be the everyday recreational fisherman that's going out there in the the hundreds of thousands of numbers, as opposed to uh, a couple hundred charter captains, and even maybe... 50 or, or fewer bow fishing people that are going up. there. there's some recreational bow fishing. But those takes, in, in the scheme of things, is not a whole lot of the fish that are coming out. But anyway, that's things to talk about. And I don't know where Joe, I know Jojo, and hi, Jojo, good to hear from you. I don't know where he gets his data on how many alligators are eating redfish. I've never had an alligator tell me exactly what he's eating down in the water. But I'm sure they get a few, but uh, it might be difficult for an alligator to catch A pretty slimy, quick redfish. All right, we come back after this. We're going to get to some more of those texts. We're also going to talk about a program that uh, is near and dear to your heart. We're talking about rescuing pointer dogs.
2: Yes, Pointer Rescue Organization, Pro. Check them out on Facebook, and we're going to talk about them a little bit.
1: Yeah, because we need some recruits, particularly in that Gulf Coast area, the Alabama, Mississippi area.
2: Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. I'm going to wear you, Ray, Emma, and Austin Out with moving dogs across the Louisiana Gulf Coast if we don't find some more drivers. Well, we're
1: happy to help out, but uh, it's also a good way if you're interested in finding a good hunting dog, a bird dog, at a very reasonable price, this could be an opportunity, too. We're back with that right after these messages where you're listening to The Outdoors with Tom Dubuque, Radio Network. All right, and Cherie uh, Dubuque, uh, daughter number one, is with us here this morning. We're broadcasting from Woodsboro, Texas. Uh, we're here to participate in the uh, early season white-winged dove hunt. And uh, so far the doves are winning, but uh, we got today and tomorrow to go. Cherie, let's get to some of our text messages. And Who we got here and listening to us this morning?
2: So yeah, we got quite a few folks. Ed Miller in Wilmer, Alabama, sitting on the back porch waiting on the wildlife to wake up and drinking his coffee. Yep, this time of year, you know, it starts the feeling of fall. Even if it's not in the temperature, we start to see other things happening. Um, Great time of year for hunting and fishing. Justin from the Refuge checking in. We always hear from him. There are new Family members here. A family of geckos are living on his porch and they keep the bug population down. I can definitely attest to that. I see them outside crawling the walls and they do a phenomenal job.
1: You know, geckos are, are not a, a long native resident of, of really the United States. I, I can remember when you didn't see or hear about geckos. Uh, I think they came over here in a lot of the packaging in the boxes that came from Central and South America and other places. And once they got a foothold here, like so many other things, uh, like the nutria and now the limpkin bird and the apple snails and a lot of the invasives, uh, they're they're common. People think they were here forever. Yeah,
2: actually, I think the same thing. I'm going to have to look up that information. But we got the albino versions here in South Mm -hmm. Texas. And again, they are some bug eaters. Uh, Captain Chris Pike headed down with his son Reed for his first gator hunt. He's (laughs) six years old. That's got to be an exciting morning for Reed. (laughs)
1: Yeah, hope he gets some uh, Captain Chris's uh, premier duck hunting guide, and uh, he'll be getting after those teal, I'm sure, pretty real soon.
2: So, good morning, Don and Cherie. Backstrap stacker checking in for Mobile this morning. Good luck to all the dove hunters this weekend. Today seems like a good day to watch some football. He's headed to the camp tomorrow to see what's flying and have everybody be safe out there. Went to a red snapper fishing yesterday out of Grand Isle. Ended up catching one lean snapper all day. Sharks ate every other fish we caught, probably over 50 fish. So that was from 5272.
1: The sharks love it when red snapper season's open.
2: Um, we just don't have the marshland for our reds to produce like they used to. Do we need that Atlantic handling permit if we catch any tuna, billfish, pogey boats are killing tons of the bull reds chasing pogies?
1: Uh Yeah, those are all good points, certainly. Huh? Very good uh, things to bring up and could be uh, contributing to what is possibly a, a problem with the number of redfish that we're going to see in the future.
2: So good morning, Don. It's John from Iberia Parish, certainly looking forward to the teal season next Saturday. He has 30 acres of soybeans that were not harvested, um, and he's looking for a teal recipe from John Foltz. Going to try that out, I guess.
1: Yeah, jfoltz.com. You can find his recipes there. Or we also have a teal recipe on uh, where we do it on video if you want to watch it at bayouwildtv.com.
2: Yeah, and John says he's been a, a listener for a long time. We like those folks.
1: All right, very good. look, before we get to some more of those, uh, I, I want to spend some time talking about the Point of Rescue program. Because we got a little time to do it. Tell us what that's all about. How does it work?
2: So Pointer Rescue Organization, or PRO, if you look them up on the Internet and Facebook, is an organization of people who are interested in rescuing pointers, and English pointers. And the group goes in, dogs are either released from hunting plantations, they're rescued from shelters, there are various sources from which the dogs come. Some of the dogs are beyond their hunting years or no longer have an interest in, in hunting. And being the companion dogs that they are, working dogs, liking human interaction, they make great pets. And then we find some dogs that come out of these plantations either along the East Coast, South Carolina, the Tennessee area, Georgia. Around here, it's the South Texas hunting plantations in the San Antonio area Kingsville, Rivera, down in those areas where we have quail, natural quail populations. And these organizations often also have a very typical style and methodology of hunting. And so some of these dogs don't necessarily fit that style. A lot of guide dogs. And so people are looking for uh, an interesting or a very classic point. A lot of these dogs point but don't necessarily retrieve and if so if they're not ranging dogs again they don't necessarily fit the style and so people release these dogs turn them over to other folks and good samaritans get the dogs and then turn them over to pro and so i started fostering for this group at the end of last year so we took max was our first foster hunting in Mm -hmm. kansas with us when we were up there and that was not Max's fate to rejuvenate himself as a, a hunting dog. And so he lives with Miss Nancy in Nebraska and is living the good life. And then second and third fosters, Boone and Biggs, whom we have now, um, actually show some pretty good hunting potential. Mm-hmm. you know. And so the organization, the rescue organization – really really advocates finding the right home for the dog and if that's a pet home then that's what they're looking for if that's a hunting home a hiking home whatever it is that they feel like best suits the dog that's what they're looking for as fosters we're super engaged in the process you know and so a lot of times there can be a good match they just want these dogs to live better lives you know nowadays our hunting dogs are our hunting partners. They're our family members, and that's the way that they want these dogs to be treated. You know, fostering is a very big commitment, and so there are lots of other ways that you can help. And so, volunteering
1: absolutely, transport. It's basically a relay race from places out west to the east coast, east coast back up to the north. And even if you're not interested in fostering or adopting, you can always use it to just – pick up a dog and make an hour's drive with it and drop it off to the next volunteer.
2: Absolutely. I remember you got a call one day. Dusty was a couple yeah. of hours away from euthanasia. Right. And they just said, hey, Don, can you go pick up this dog from the shelter, save his life, drop him at the vet's office, and he's going to board there until he's ready to make his transport. So there are all sorts of ways that you can volunteer. Transport is a big one. I'm surprised at the number of dogs that travel that Alabama, Louisiana, mm-hmm. Texas Gulf Coast, and that we're corridor, all Corridor, yeah, yes. And that's where
1: you need the most uh, volunteers right now. Shortages between that Alabama, Mobile, Jackson. Well, Jackson, if you're going north, Gulfport, uh, Biloxi area.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've tapped you. And Ray and Emma, and we got Austin in on the transport last weekend. They got another one moving next weekend, and you're going to be the overnight host for that dog who's moving to San Antonio. And so, From Miami, by the way. From
1: Miami, yes. Whenever you find a foster or an adoption, they'll, they'll make sure they get the dog there. Run a little short on time. But we're going to talk more about this after the top of the hour. But give them the website for people to contact either to foster, to adopt, or just volunteer to transport.
2: So again, you can look Pointer Rescue Organization on Facebook or it's Pointer dot org on the internet. And Brooke Colley, Sheila Thurston. All of those ladies, Margaret Bishop, would be more than happy to help get folks involved.
1: And you can see some really good pictures and images of these dogs. All right, we got a bird that's going crazy here. We'll be back right after this and take you down to Grand Isle. Get a fishing report from Captain Daryl Carpenter at realscreamers.com on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque radio network. a right, very popular fishing spot in Louisiana is Grand Isle, and we get a report there each week from this guy, Captain Darrell Carpenter, owner-operator of reelscreamers.com. Captain Darrell, how's the fishing in Grand Isle been this week?
4: I kind of mirrored what you were, the report that you were getting out of the Bretton Sound area. Of course, early in the week we had very little tide movement. Um, so there you had to kind of look for choke points. We were, we were catching fish. But like I said, you had to pick where you fished because you had to look for something that had a little bit of moving water on it. Uh, that that slack tide, though, I will tell you, did wonders for the bull red fishing. In the past, they may have, I know they had a great ride to bull. They might have had it about a week early because man, the the bull reds coming out of the passes this week has just been outstanding. And then on top of that, on those slack tide movements. Uh, Fishing bull reds in the past is there was a whole lot of very nice, large speckled trout that were caught in the past, just bull red fishing. Uh, as the week went on and the, the tide picked up, then, yeah, the last two or three days, it just lit on fire. I mean, the it was calm enough. You had to dodge storms. But like you were saying earlier, oddly enough, it's, with all this unsettled weather we have around us, when you get in between these storms, it's been really nice and calm. So, the, the interior reefs, it looks like, I, I think we're in the transition now, uh, because we're getting a whole lot of nice fish, like beach fish, showing up on our interior reefs now. So, stuff like Four Bayou, stuff like inside of Timbalare Bay, all those islands and those reefs are starting to see a whole lot of big fish. Um, so... I think the transition's on. I think we're probably going to have a little bit of a rough weekend because you're just not going to be able to sit any one place. All these storms seem to have a lot of lightning in them. But uh, the fish are there. It's just going to be whether or not we can access them. And I think as soon as it calms down, oddly enough, come Tuesday or Wednesday, when it calms down again, I think it's going to be right back to just being a bonanza, a speckled trout everywhere.
1: Darrell, before you go, um, Comment on the redfish. Have you noticed a, a trend for the last several months of this entire season or this year so far on a downturn in the availability of redfish, or is this just uh, something that people are imagining right now, or are you really seeing a drop in the redfish action?
4: No, there's been, there's been a tremendous drop in redfish. I don't know if it's in the recruitment because we're seeing more bulls than we've ever seen before. So we've got a whole lot of bull action, which means our, our breeding stock seems to be okay. Um, now, Don, what I will tell you, you know I work real closely with a lot of captains out of Lafitte. I do a lot of, you know, a lot of my captains come out of Lafitte. I will tell you what they're telling me is that whether it wasn't just just wasn't reported or wasn't seen, a lot of them believe that we just had a massive fish kill with Ida um there were so many fish that were pushed up out of the natural bayous that that i mean they picked them up out of their front yard stinking a week later so they they actually saw we've got a problem with redfish i hope the science catches up to us pretty soon i just don't know if it's a short-lived problem of of a massive fish kill after ida or if it's an over harvest situation Uh, i think our recruitment's fine we've got plenty of adults we just we've got to get a handle on what's going on of course habitat loss is going to be part of it but uh we got to get a handle on what's going on because that sure is a a great fallback fish for us
1: well i was uh monitoring the wildlife and, <coughs> excuse me wildlife and fisheries commission meeting uh on thursday and it was brought up and they said that they uh and not due for another stock assessment till I think it was the end of this year, beginning of next year. So shortly they'll have some more data to, to reflect whether we have a, a redfish population that is in need of maybe some, looking at some adjustments in, in the regulations or not. Now, real quick, uh, contact for you, realscreamers.com on the website. Telephone number, please. 225-937-6288. All right, my friend, have a good Labor Day weekend. We'll see you next week.
4: Hey, and you enjoy your time with Sheree. Hey,
1: Sheree. Oh, we always do. (laughs) Hey, Darrell, always good to hear from you. All right, we'll be back with our number two. We're going to continue our talking about the Point of Rescue program if you're interested in volunteering. More fishing info, it's all coming up on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network.